Welcome to Exploring Possibility. I'm your host, Christopher Giel, and with this show, my mission is to empower you. I want to inspire those who have forgotten their true worth, their highest potential, and their ultimate capability. I'll be exploring topics that are aimed towards personal growth to help you gain insight and approach life with new perspectives. I want you to increase your impact and help you live a more fulfilling life because limited thinking equals limited being. Let the show begin. Hi there, guys, and welcome to episode number one. This is the official start of Exploring Possibility. If you haven't listened to episode zero, you can actually just go back and find it just before this one. It's the, that's the introduction of Exploring Possibility. That will give you a little bit of background of what the show is going to be all about. It's going to tell you more about the vision of the show, you know, what my mission is, what I aim at doing, and also just the background of who I am and why I started the show. So I think if you just want a little bit of context and you just want to see what the show is all about, please go listen to episode zero, introduction it's called. I will just link it in the show notes for those that can't find it. But yeah, just before we jump in, if you haven't subscribed to the show, please subscribe if you are on iTunes. And then alternatively, obviously on your favorite platform that you will be listening on. I'm not sure what platform that is, but yeah, just subscribe. And you can also pop in your email onto the website, onto the contact form, if you want to stay updated with any new episodes that will be coming out so you don't miss out on anything. So just shortly, I want to challenge perspectives. I feel like I want to help people overcome any troubles or challenges that they have in their minds. So I'm, I'm aiming to improve mindsets, you know, and develop and grow in that sense. So we can all move forward and just live a life full of possibility. So therefore, I'm going to be finding people that inspire and that challenge the norm and that think differently. So without any further ado, next up is Andrew Patterson. He will be my first guest. And it was so symbolic for me because as I start this journey, I'm, I'm seeing this mountain in front of me and I'm thinking it's, it's massive, it's huge, I'm fearful, you know, I'm, I'm just scared and, and I'm unsure, I'm overwhelmed, I've got all these feelings of, of, of overwhelm and he actually climbed Table Mountain 365 times, 366 to be exact. And I, I don't know about you, but that inspired me so much. 44 of those climbs were rainy. I mean, two of, 22 of them were barefoot. That is insane. To, just to put that climb into perspective, it was 970,900 stairs climbed. For those of you that drink wine, that is 3,000 glasses of wine in calories burnt. <laughs> and it's also roughly equal to 73 Mount Everests climbed. So why did he do all of this? He just did it for, for raising money because he lost his job and then he dedicated himself to a larger cause. He raised money for the Sunflower Fund. He raised money for the One Heart Foundation in Stellenbosch. And he raised money for Habitat for Humanity. All of these charities that do something amazing in our, who are doing something amazing in our local communities. He's also been called Mountain Man and then some have called him Mountain Drew, which, is, which I think is quite funny. So this is the guy who has probably done more hikes in one month than what you or I have done in our entire lives. I just want you to let that sink in for a second and hopefully inspire you as it has inspired me. So just briefly, we spoke about purpose. We spoke about scarcity mindset, listening to your gut, staying pers persistent in personal growth. And yeah, we delve into many things that help that can possibly help you to move forward. So once again, that's about it for the intro. Let's jump in and listen to the interview. Enjoy. Hi there, Andrew, and uh, welcome to the show. It's an absolute great pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Just to give the people a little bit of a background of yourself, can you explain to me who is Andrew Patterson, like in one sentence? I always find that so difficult to do, so I'll, I'll give it my best shot. But uh, I consider myself a lifelong learner who is striving to be my best self to serve others. That is beautiful, mate. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'll, I'll make sure I write that one down for next time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like you crafted it beforehand. You can just use it wherever you go. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, 
So obviously you were the man that climbed Table Mountain 366 times to be exact. That's correct. I'm very impressed that you know this. Yes, I did. I did my research on this and found that it wasn't 365, it was 366. Because on the last day, you you wanted to do a solo hike, but then um, you decided to do uh, the one just after, so you can just let everything sink in on that one on the extra day, and rather do it with others that wanted to join in on your last walk on the mountain or your hike on the mountain. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I had done my first hike for at sunrise, which is I started at four thirty in the morning. In the morning, um, I did my middle hike, which is the second of July, uh, in terms of days, not months. And the plan was to always do the last one on my own. And then a, a good friend of mine actually suggested, you know, you've had so much amazing support. Like my girlfriend had flown from San Francisco three times throughout the year. My parents and family were going to be down from Johannesburg. I'd had amazing friends who had climbed, you know, upwards of 50 times with me, 20 times, 13 times. And he was like, why don't you rather allow those people to be part of that last day with you and then do your solo climb the following day on the 1st of January and take everything that you've used in 2018 and really start 2019 in the best possible way. And I really loved that because it gave me an opportunity to really take stock of what I had accomplished, be on my own. I really thought it was going to be the most emotional climb. Um, but it was actually just, it was amazing because it was, um, I thought I would like stop at certain points and take a moment to like reflect. But what it taught me was that uh, because of the way that I spent the whole year uh, making sure that I appreciated every single day for what it had to offer, no one day was better than the next. So it wasn't like the last day was better than the 23rd or the 125th. Um, so that was quite a nice feeling. Yeah, that's actually how I would expect it as well. But obviously things turn out differently. That's how we see it as well. So have you climbed any mountains recently? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, I was back in in South Africa. Uh, I'm here with my girlfriend now in in San Francisco this year. And um, uh, it's nice not to be doing long distance anymore. And uh, I was back in South Africa. So I did climb Table Mountain after a talk at an education summit in June just to go and see my old friends. But uh, in in San Francisco area, there are a couple of hikes. They're not Table Mountain, but um, <laughs> you know I've, I've been to Muir Woods and then Yosemite, uh, which is one of the most beautiful places on earth, uh, is about a four-hour drive from here. We went and spent a weekend and uh, had the pleasure of of doing one of the uh, majestic hikes there, which was which was amazing. That sounds just beautiful. I'd love to visit. Is it San Francisco? Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to visit um, San Francisco. Yeah, you can look me up when you get here. <laughs> I know there's a couple of like these big events happening there, and that actually leads me to the next to the next point. Is you you follow guys like Tony Robbins and Lewis Howes and John D. Martini. I mean, these are huge names in especially the personal personal development space. Um, you've also attended Tony Robbins' event before that. I, I think I saw that as well. The UPW. And yeah, I'd, unleash the power within. Yeah. Yes, unleash the power within. So I, I would just like to, if you could perhaps just briefly explain how that experience is, because we've only seen it from videos. And I mean, I follow Tony Robbins. And he's so, if he's so engaging and powerful on video, like what is it like, you know, in 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 the room with that guy? Well, to be completely honest, it's just um, a totally transformative experience. You know, he's. Uh, I, I cannot imagine what it must be like to have a one-on-one with that man because how he commands uh, a stadium of 8,000 people, which is the one that uh, we attended in July, was absolutely insane. Um, but, you know, I've, I've always been into constantly developing myself and learning. So I've known about him for about 20 years already. I mean, he's been doing this for 42 years, which is mm. also mind-blowing. But... Um, you know, as you know, when we're in South Africa, unless they come and do an event with us down there, it becomes really expensive and pretty difficult to be able to come somewhere like Dallas for four days. Exactly. Uh, whereas now, it's, it was like flying from Cape Town to Johannesburg, which was, you know, really amazing. And that's one of the things that has been a huge blessing of being in the States and having access to such high-quality events. But, uh, you know, it was, it, was, it was probably everything and more 
than I expected by being there. I try not to have too many expectations when I walk into an event like that because, you know, even as he says, you know, you, you need to switch expectation for appreciation. Yeah. And um, mm. I think also because there's so much information that they give you and there's so much inspiration that they give you, uh, I think I'd also had the benefit from having the inspired thought to climb Table Mountain every single day. I understand now what it means to like go to an event like that. I actually equate the two as the same. So you can go to an event like that and feel absolutely inspired in the moment and on top of the world, but then real life happens and it's what are you doing with that inspiration? So I think in a way, uh, you know, I was, I, I could have seen him when I lived in London uh, 15 years ago, but I didn't have the understanding of how to transform that inspiration into daily action, which Thankfully, now I did, and um, so that was. Uh, th I'm very, very grateful for that, and it's uh, yeah, uh, it was an unintended consequence of <laughs> what I did last year. Yeah, I think making a distinction like that is is so worthwhile, you know. Um, and I don't think people realize it, but seeing that you're down in in San Francisco, what have you been up to lately? What have you been doing after your like? I mean, this has been a huge accomplishment, you know, um, doing the Ubuntu. 365 climb what what have you been up to lately like what has been happening after that well i always knew that you know the the lessons that i was going to be learning from doing something so ridiculously insane um wasn't something that just needed to benefit me and the reality is you can just substitute whatever challenge it is that you're going through for the mountain and you know in reality there's a lot of similarities through three things in life so you know, this year, and that was one of the reasons why I went to UPW, is my, my big challenge now is packaging what I've experienced and learned in a way that I can easily teach and help others through, um, you know, the difficult times in their life. You know, we, I've come to realize no one procrastinates because they're lazy. People procrastinate because they don't have clarity on either what they want to do or if they do know what they want to do, how to get there. And, and so I've been putting kind of a, a business together uh, with that. And I'm also writing a book on my experience, which has been amazing for me because, you know, it kind of gets me to think a little bit deeper. Uh, I had a daily journal, which I was writing. So even now, you know, I can go on my laptop and see, um, you know, what exactly was day 226, which is what today is, um, which actually... Today was the day that uh, one of the three charities that we supported, we delivered the books to the school, Clapmits Primary, uh, today. So that's, wow. uh, you know, those are like really awesome memories. And um, wow. so I've been busy with that. And there's an amazing, um, what do you call a co-working space called Impact Hub. And <laughs> um, they have this phenomenal program. They, they basically, probably most people know WeWork, which is the big co-working space. But this is... This is geared more for people who are social entrepreneurs. They, they purpose driven, not just profit driven. And they have a program where you can, um, kind of volunteer five hours a week and you get access to the entire office space, which is about $350 worth, uh, for free. You know, that is so, such a smart initiative. Absolutely. I mean, wow. labor is not cheap here. So they basically get to have the front of house covered, the desk, uh, you know, kind of like tea lady, if you like, want to call it that. We make the coffee, we clean up, make sure the meeting rooms are good, um, you know, make sure that everybody that's there understands what they can do, what they can't do. We help them. Um, and even if I had the money uh, to like really, well, even if I really wanted to spend the $350, I would choose not to because... You know, it's basically forced me into a situation where I'm engaging with everybody there versus just somebody who works there. And, you know, you sit down at your desk and even though it's open plan, you, know, you don't want to just interrupt somebody who is busy working. And unless you're there at a point where someone's making coffee next to you or you're having lunch, you don't really get to interact. Well, I see that most people don't really interact. So whereas now that I work there, it creates a very different dynamic and I've had so many natural conversations and so many interesting people uh, that work there, which is fantastic. So it's been, it's been a very busy year. It's also been, um, you know, an, an interesting thing to acclimatize to new culture, new city, new surroundings. Um, I thankfully again had the, the, the previous knowledge from moving to London when I was 20, 23. And, um, 
you know, it takes time to acclimatize. We all, I mean, even people who you leave Joburg and move to Cape Town, they just expect that they'll have the same lifestyle, the same group of friends, um, and things take time, you know, and, and I think it's something that I have through all my experiences cultivated. And uh, Jesse is, you know, one of the most outstanding human beings on the planet. So naturally her friendship group is exactly the same and they have all made me feel so at home um, and given me tremendous support and are also so diverse and so interesting. So that's that's been keeping me nice and busy while I've been here. And we've been doing some traveling within the States, going to New York, I guess we're going to Yosemite. Um, that's, that's been it's been great. That sounds amazing. To me, it sounds like this group that you're part of now, uh, they make you come alive almost. It's like, it's such an awesome support structure to have where you are at this point. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, and especially, you know, San Francisco is, I would say, pretty much one of the, the cores around the world in terms of leading the way of how to, how to have an impactful business that's not destroying the environment, that's not hurting other people, and that doesn't hurt yourself, which are three things I massively believe in. And, you know, so, like, it feels like I'm three people away from meeting Mark Zuckerberg here. Yeah. That's, that's, how, that's how small uh, San Francisco is and, and how um, quickly you can meet people who, who you know, have people in, in high places and are, are doing amazing things. So it's, it's amazing to be in a place where there is so much, um, so many inspired people who are actually taking action, um, which I think is maybe one of the big differences that I've seen between South Africa um, and Cape Town where I was staying. And the States is, you know, the, the people here really do tend to make decisions a lot faster, which is, which is pretty cool to see. Yeah, I can only imagine to experience that myself one day. So seeing that you're now overseas, if I want to roll it back a little bit to, to when you were back in South Africa, actually just before you did your big climb, you actually worked in the alcohol industry and you had a specialized job from what I could see. And yeah. to me, this shows that even the specialized jobs in South Africa are volatile because you got retrenched. And I was, re I was really shocked by that when, you, when I read it before in another article about you. So could you possibly explain a little bit more about what happened there? Well, I think nobody was more shocked than I was, to be honest <laughs> with you. Um, but yeah. It was amazing how things worked out. I mean... I, I actually, the day that they were announcing, I thought because it was a, a specialized job and I was the only one in the company that knew how to do it, that I was safe. And the day before they were announcing what the restructure was going to be like in our department, I got an email from a, a headhunter randomly to, um, about this job with Adidas. And I actually immediately just had this feeling and knew that when I walked into that room, that meeting room, that my job was going to be on the chopping block. And it wasn't that they, they culled it completely. What, in my opinion, they did was they completely don't understand the role. And so they decided to add more complexity to a role, which they had already cut two places into one, which meant that I looked after every single customer. Uh, it was in, involved in, I was involved in category management. And, you know, I remember having a, a chat with my boss explaining to him that based on the current capacity that we had at the company, if one client decided to roll out a program to all their stores uh, with just the two of us, it would take eight years to finish. Now, that is one client out of, let's call it probably about 20 that we would need to, to service. So it was just to kind of show him, and this was before I got retrenched, uh, the absurdity of, of what is actually being requested. And then they decided to add more complexity by adding Shopper Insights, which I had never done before. Um, I was pretty open about that. And, um, you know, I went through the interview process. So basically what they'd done is they'd made it a promotion. And, you know, they, they did me the biggest favor on this planet. And they deemed me uh, not um, good enough to, to basically get promoted. And... But it was the first time in my life that I then decided to make the decision out of love instead of fear. And, you know, there's all the hype about this. Well, we have 31% unemployment in South Africa, but 
I still believe that those are all external forces that we use as excuses. Um, and, and I, I just decided, you know, I was, I'd seen what the effects of the alcohol industry does to, um, the low income. Um, I didn't want to be a part of that anymore. I was, you know, I'd, I'd become disillusioned with the company and also the way they'd handled the restructure. I, I'd lost, um, I'd lost respect for them. And in fact, just two months ago, I got a, a message from some of my friends that are still there to say they're going through another restructure. So, you know, I, they completely made me feel justified that I told them to process the retrenchment as opposed to taking another job within the business that didn't set my soul on fire. It would have been disingenuous to be working in a position that I was just doing the bare minimum for them when they deserve somebody who's like really passionate. And I deserve to feel, you know, enthused to go to work every day. So, I mean, I'm not going to lie. It wasn't, it wasn't this easy decision where I just like decided, oh, okay, cool. I'm, I'm going to wipe my future state clean and, and everything's going to be hunky-dory. Yeah. No. Um, but I did, have, I did have trust and faith because of the fact that I have been through so many difficulties and other challenges with companies being liquidated in the past that uh, it was... It, it made it easier for me to have faith um, and just process the retrenchment. But yeah, it was a huge shock to me uh, to begin with. But I suppose also in some ways, um, I wasn't too surprised because, you know, sometimes the universe has to give us a kick in the pants to, to really wake us up to get us to do what we want to do. And that's exactly what happened with me. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like a lot of businesses are acting out of fear as well. And that seems to be something that has surfaced within the company that you worked at before as well. So having a look at that, do you think that retrenchment led into your initiative? Was that the only thing that made you do this initiative or do you think there was something else behind your initiative? No, look, I mean, uh, without a doubt, I would never have done that if, if I hadn't been retrenched. I wouldn't have had the, the clean slate to be able to write something new um, if they hadn't have done that. But I don't think it's, a, you know, there were a number of factors which led to that idea, you know, popping into my head eight days before I was due to leave my corporate job. Um, and there again, it's one of the reasons why I always tell people, you need to learn to start saying yes more than you say no, because you don't know what conversation you're going to have instead of sitting at home on the couch watching TV you don't know who you're going to meet and how they're going to inspire you. You don't have, you can't, as Steve Jobs says, you know, connect the dots going forwards. And I'd had a, a conversation with a woman at a, 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 funny enough, a launch of a podcast of another friend of mine that I went to support. And, um, you know, he introduced me to this woman. He's like, you love hiking. Uh, you have to meet this woman. She's climbing Table Mountain 67 times for Nelson Mandela. Then I was like, shit, that's impressive. <laughs> like I really, I would, I'd love to meet her. Yeah. Um, the day before I had the idea, I had um, dinner with a, a, a primary school friend of mine who was down from Johannesburg. And um, she had also worked for um, uh, the alcohol industry. We both worked at Coca-Cola. And she had decided to go on her own and start her own business. So listening to what she was doing and why she trained for half Ironman uh, to get up early in the morning because if you don't have a reason to get up early, pushing the snooze button becomes easier. Um, and obviously being fit and healthy is, is a great way to, to keep your, your mind uh, ready for whatever you need to have to handle. So I started thinking, you know, okay, well, now I'm going to become my own boss. Um, I was starting off thinking of doing a, a hiking tourism company. I was, uh, you know, to be fair, when winter comes in Cape Town, I become a bear and I hibernate when it's raining at 5.30 in the morning and it's cold and it's windy and it's dark. In fact, it's not even, it doesn't need to be 5.30 in the morning. It can be 7.30 <laughs> yeah. in the morning. Yeah, who doesn't want to be in bed? Uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's suddenly it's like, uh, man, I'll just skip today, I'll go tomorrow. And then yeah. it's raining again the next day and so mm. there's always excuses. Keep so I was like, well, how am I going to, what am I going to do to kind of push myself through winter? So I had like all these things and I'd been working with the Sunflower Fund raising money for seven years. And I started thinking, okay, well, that really uh, it's, it's easy for me. And I love raising money and helping uh, guys who are doing amazing work in South Africa. 
So maybe I can work for them one or two days with the skills that I've developed. How do I get that going? So all of those things are like a washing machine going around and around. And, um, and so that's how that idea popped into my head. And, and I remember I was so grateful because that was on the 22nd of June and my last day was on the 30th, which was a Friday. And slowly but surely, some of the senior managers and other people were hearing about the fact that I'd been retrenched. And I remember them coming to me with like pity and like, you know, really upset about the fact that I was going and, and was sorry about the whole thing that happened. And I was like, you don't need to be sorry. And I just broke into what I had planned to be doing. And they were just listening to me. And by the end of the conversation, they said, I'm actually, I think I'm a little bit jealous about yeah, what's look going. At the so it was <laughs> Yeah. So it was amazing to, to go from like, oh, poor you to like, oh, wow, that's actually sounds, it sounds, it sounds amazing. So it was, it was nice and, and my little dig way to be able to, you know, not walk with my tail between my legs out the door, but actually pretty much run out. Yeah. So just taking from this, seeing that this initiative was sort of born out of the retrenchment, which is almost like a blessing in disguise, you know, do you feel that people need from your experience, do you feel that people need to experience massive pain or go through adversity to actually commit to something larger, you know, to actually see or change their perspective and now go for something bigger? Because it feels to me like a lot of people are very mellow and lukewarm and they just do nothing. You know, it's like they're in that stage where nothing happens, so they're not going to move. It's just, it's very stale. Yeah, look, the, the I I had been stuck. I'd been trying a couple of things, um, jobs on the side as well, in the probably the two years prior to me leaving. So I mean, I knew I wasn't happy, but you know, let's be honest. Um, paying rent is nice. Being able to <laughs> eat is great. So we tend to equate that by doing something so completely outside of what we used to that there's going to be no money. Yes, And that immediately we have, a, I think, to be honest with you, I think there's a huge scarcity mindset in South Africa for valid reason. I mean, we've gone through some really difficult times and are still going through challenging times. But it's difficult when you're surrounded by all of that to just be like, well, I'm going to forge my own way through this. Um, so unfortunately, for, in my experience, it took me the most like horrendous thing to happen to me, what felt like, felt like the most horrendous thing at the time, but ended up being the greatest, one of the greatest gifts that I've been given. And, and so that's why when I said to you, I want to help other people, um, you know, find their passion things. That's what I don't want them to go through. I don't want them to lose a loved one. I don't want them to lose their job. Yes, yes. I want them to understand that there are things that you can do before you even, if you if you have a day job which is already paying everything, and you have this idea for a business, there are very tangible steps that you can start doing now to see a if you really are committed to doing this, or if it's just a, you know, you've seen someone else doing it. It looks fun. It looks great. It looks exciting. It looks um, sexy. So you're like, cool. I'm going to do this now. <laughs> Versus this is something which is really passion to you, and you know you will do anything that it takes to to make it happen. So we don't need it. But as human beings, we seem to be pretty dumb in that respect that uh, it takes something serious. And if you look at like the majority of really successful people, like even, even Tony Robbins that you were talking about, like he had, you know, he was, um, he was a janitor and he had like next to no, he had next to no money. And he eventually just woke up and was like, I, I can't live like this anymore. Mm. And so the, the pain that he was living was uh, far greater than the pain of trying to get to where he wanted to go. Yes. And that's pretty much, um, you know, and what I found last year is I've now been able to link pleasure to pain. So we will, t we'll tend to, let's say you, you'll, you'll get a third of the way up climbing up a mountain that you've never done before and your legs are burning your your lungs are tired. You don't know how long this is going to go on for. It becomes easy to turn around and go back down versus actually just pushing through. And then you realize 20 minutes later, hang on, that pain has actually subsided. My body is now acclimatized to what I'm doing. And this is a lot easier than I thought it was going to be. It doesn't last forever. And that's something that when you can uh, break through and, and, and find that understanding in your mind that then, you know, all those things that have stopped you in the past will, will kind of subside. Yeah, that's very true. It's like a lot of these things are only temporary. 
But for us, it seems like it's going to be something that's permanent. But I've, I've got another question which I'm very curious about. And it's what does the word Ubuntu mean to you? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say what I wrote down. Collective efforts of all that contributes to the whole. This seems to be a premise. Just because I'm not personally responsible for someone else's suffering doesn't mean I can't be part of the solution to help them. So having, is that, would you say that is your premise of the Ubuntu word? Yeah, well, I mean, it was, it was quite ironic because I, I was in trying to name the challenge. I, the word Ubuntu just kept coming into my head. And I think it's a great word. You know, and I, I actually was taught what Ubuntu meant. And I, whereas I thought Ubuntu was going to show everybody what the, the challenge was actually all about. Mm. But it did, it, did, it did both. And I think therein lies the exact meaning in Ubuntu is that, you know, uh, the challenge itself would have meant nothing if nobody supported it. And the challenge wouldn't have happened if I had done it. You know, they're, they're not mutually exclusive. And so in that same process that, you know, understanding the spirit of humanity towards one another means that I benefit. I didn't make these clothes. I don't farm my own food. I didn't make the path to climb Table Mountain. All those things exist that enable me to be able to experience my version of the best life that I can on this earth. So it's not for me to then just take, take, take. My thinking is now, okay, well, what, are the, what, what can I do to add value back to society? And, and obviously because of South Africa and the, you know, the horrendous past that we all have, you know, I was 10 years old when Nelson Mandela was released from prison. And, you know, while I wasn't personally responsible for what apartheid did, number one, I recognized that I definitely gained from it personally. Um, even though my parents weren't the wealthiest and they struggled to like make sure that we had food until the end of the month, you know, I still had access to be able to walk freely. I didn't have to have passes. I could go to any school. I got a proper education. And so with that understanding, I now realize that, you know, yes, I wasn't personally responsible, but that doesn't mean that I can't use that privilege that I gained to be able to empower people who, for no fault of their own, were just born on the wrong side of the caliber. So that's, that, you know, and, and because of the three charities which I supported, and that was Habitat for Humanity, which help uh, not just build homes for people in shacks, but also make existing ones safer, warmer, and drier. One Heart, which works, like I said, this time last year, we were delivering our first round of books <coughs> to Clubbits Primary, which is one of the poorest and under-resourced schools in the country. And those teachers now have the resources to teach kids to read, which is our future. And then the Sunflower Fund, which builds a database for leukemia. So those... Those three are already existing organizations that I can use my powers like my physicality and ability to bring people together to, to help and empower other people. And so that's, that's probably the longest answer to uh, <laughs> what Ubuntu means to me. But I'm very, I'm very grateful that, uh, you know, I am South African and that I have that word that has actually been planted um, in my heart from the day yeah. I was born because we are all African and you know I mean it doesn't matter where I travel in the world it's like every time I come home uh, we have some of the the friendliest and the the most heartfelt sincere on this planet and I, w I wish we would all start celebrating that I'm 100% with you on that I mean that's why I chose to um ask you that question because I think it's it's just innate with, within all of us, especially in South Africa. Now, if I, if I look back at your, your journey and I think about the steps that you took or the, the courage that you, that you got within yourself to take the actions that you did, um, I would refer to that as somewhat of your, your inner voice um, or your gut. And I feel that that is something that you actually listen to. I feel that in today's yeah. society, people don't do that. They hesitate a lot. Um, and that's yeah. keeping them back from doing so much out there and, and having such a big impact, especially not only in their own lives, but in others as well. So on that note, is there any, from your experience, is there any advice that you've got for people out there that are struggling with following the inner voice or just at least um, finding ways of, of listening to the inner voice. 
you know, when I had the idea, the way it made me feel, I, I literally describe it as having my soul set on fire. Um, it is my single biggest purpose or desire for every human being on this planet to have even just that feeling for a split second because it changes you completely. And, you know, it doesn't matter what religion you are or if you don't have a religion, you know, ideas come, where does an idea come from? Uh, and for me, it's the same as, as intuition. And, you know, it's, it's telling you something and it's giving you an idea for a specific purpose, which you have absolutely all the resources at your disposal to achieve. Um, and even if you don't have the, a specific skill, you have the ability to tap into other people who have that skill and learn from that. And it, I think where the, the biggest challenge comes for us is it's not so much that we don't listen to our inner voice, it's that we listen to other people's opinions and other people's voices more than we uh, listen to our own. That is very true. You know, and again, I learned this from experience because some of the closest people, when I shared my idea with them and what I was planning on doing, didn't get it. They didn't understand it. And it crushed me because I, here I am jumping up and down and so excited and like literally uh, touching the moon with my hands. And I'm getting like lukewarm responses like, why are you doing this? Like, it doesn't make any sense. And I had to actually drive to Table Mountain four days after I'd had this idea to look at the mountain and to kind of reignite the fire that I was feeling. Mm, and mm. I mean, it was incredible. On the bench um, that I was sitting on, somebody had scratched the name Andrew in there. And I was like, well, I mean, if that isn't a little sign there that you need to listen to you <laughs> yeah. and ignore everybody else. Um, you know, and, and you mentioned that I've, I followed Dr. John B. Martin. One of his quotes is, when the voice inside becomes louder and stronger than the, the noise and the voice outside. outside, that's when you've begun to master your life. And, again, unfor <laughs> and again, unfortunately, a lot of the quotes that we see and read most of the time, you will only truly understand it when you've gone through an experience which teaches you personally what that means. Um, and that's why, again, it's important to keep acting and doing stuff. So, you know, the, when you get an idea, the idea might not be the be-all and the end-all, but it gets you to the next point where you meet someone and you do something and get your next idea. And I think the more that you start to listen to your intuition and your gut, I mean, I am yet to be proved wrong. Well, I'm yet to prove my gut wrong. Yes. Um, so it's, it's difficult when, when everybody around you is not supporting you. But, you know, I, I came to a point where I realized last year that if every single person on the planet doesn't support me, I'm still going to do it because that is awesome. I just felt like, I just felt like there was, there was something, um, pretty massive about it, which, you know, at some point I hope people would get it. And, and I was right, you know, what I also came to realize is you know, when I had that idea, I had the full puzzle. And when I was speaking about other people, all they were looking at was one piece of the puzzle. So I see the whole picture. I could see the benefits of what it was going to do. I could see how I was going to learn from it. I could see how I could empower others. And they were just looking at blue and they were like, but we don't see that. And only with them, what it also taught me is how to treat other people when they share their passion with me. You know, oh. Because generally what, generally what happens is people tend to, they can only meet you at the place where they are coming from and their, their level of experience and understanding. So if, you, if you've never trained a day in your life, climbing a mountain every single day is so far removed from your, your mind, it's, it's insane. If you are sick 20 times a year, thinking about what are you going to do when you get sick um, is, again, it, it, so your level of experience is how you judge and look at other people's experience. So now what I do is I ask more questions. That's what I try to do. I'm still getting mm -hmm. there, but, but I've learned that, you know, why, why does it set your soul on fire? Like, what are you, <laughs> what are you most excited about? What are you going to learn from this? You know, there's so many ways to learn and you'll, and, and you'll, and then you'll start to get more pieces of the puzzle. So that was a great experience uh, for me to learn to do things because I don't need validation or, um, what's the other word? Uh, I don't, I don't have to, um, look for outside support, but, yeah. um, it's, it's then again, how do I support people who are chasing and following their dreams? 
Wow, that's such a nice and beautiful way to see it. It's almost like uh, that you learn from yourself, you can actually apply to others. Like you just said, when they come to you with their excitement or their, you know, if they've got this new big idea or new purpose, then you know how to handle that. I'm also, I'm, I'm fascinated and I'm super excited by how you not only, not only achieved this big thing, but you were able to be consistent and persistent in what you did. That is almost to me bigger than what you did in, in the entirety of it. It's you, you stuck to it all the way through. I'm, I'm <laughs> like, I'm blown away. I, I don't get how you did that because people, if you, if we gave them a little task and we said, let's, let's just get you up the stairs for 365 days. I mean, that's <laughs> parts of stairs. I doubt 80% or 90% of the people would actually do that just because of the amount of times that they see that they need to do that. So once again, it's, it's almost on the, on the similar to the previous question where, how did you do that? <laughs> what is your perspective on that? Well, <sighs> Because I had, I was 37, almost 38 years old when I had that idea. I had been through enough experiences where I had done previous challenges that I disrespected and over um, exaggerated my capabilities and got badly injured. I I actually saw that this was like writing an exam for life. You know, when you're at school, you study geography, you study science, you study math, you at the end of the semester, you get tested on what you've learned. That doesn't, we don't see in life that the challenges we get are probably just testing what we have been learning. So I understood that this was going to be a test of everything that I had been pushing myself to grow and to learn and to evolve. So, and then, like I said earlier, I had linked pleasure to pain. I knew mm. that by finishing this task that I would never ever be, in fact, I knew my life was never going to be the same again from the minute that that idea hit my, hit my brain. Um, and then obviously when I verbalized it and I, that excitement was just building up inside me, I knew that, you know, that it had happened for a reason and I didn't want to like play it down or whatever, but I trained for it. So, you know, I, like I said to you, I know that I'm basically a hibernator when it comes to winter. Now <laughs> winter's not six days out of 365 yeah call it call it 120 at best or at worst so i thought okay well what am i going to do to because i know what's going to happen i'm going to wake up one day not one day many days and be like oh man i like i'm really i'm either sick and tired of this or i don't I'm feel like double doing tomorrow. it <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> i was like yeah i was like ah so one of the first things that came to mind, and again, it's that, again, listening to your intuition, like where did this idea come from? I didn't, I'd like to say I'm the smartest person and I sat down and I strategized and, okay, so this is what I could do here and this is how I can chat. No, like all these ideas just kept coming to me and flowing to me. And number one was I lived on the eighth floor of an apartment building and I just decided I'm not using the lift anymore. And it, it was amazing to me because something so simple, like, you know, oh, I've got to find the stairs. You know, actually, when I, I remember the one day, I thought how many times people go like, you know, I don't have time to climb the stairs. Yeah. So I actually, I actually timed it. It took me one minute and 30 seconds to climb the stairs. Hmm. And so I, I think about how many times people are standing at the bottom waiting for a lift that's going like this. Yes. It goes more than a minute and 30 seconds. And in, in their mind, waiting was shorter than actually just taking the stairs to the yes. third floor. And I lived on the eighth floor. And also, it's like, I have legs that work. Like, you know, we, you, need to, you need to celebrate that because like, that, that can be taken away at any moment. And I have yeah. a good friend of mine who is in a wheelchair. So she, she highlights that to me all the time. And so there were little things that I could do to train myself before I got into uh, the events so that every time my mind was like, I really don't feel like it, it's just like, no, just get up and do it. And I really do believe the, the probably the hardest thing of the challenge last year was getting out of bed. As soon as I was out of bed and I was putting on my hiking boots and my shirts, I was getting ex I would get excited about it. Um, and then there were little things that I did as well. So my training schedule uh, that I put in place meant that I knew by the time that January first came, I was a hundred percent physically prepared and mentally ready to take on the challenges that I knew were coming and that I would be ready for what I, I couldn't ever prepare for. 
So little things like doing making climbing table mountain once a week in July and then ramping it up to twice a week in August, three times in September, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I would, I made sure that I did a hike every single Saturday and Sunday. I knew I was going to be focused on Table Mountain for an entire year. So all those hikes that I'd been putting off, like Chapman's Peak and Yonkers Hook, I now was actually making a plan. Like, And I had weekends that I needed to fall. So instead of going out and partying on a Friday night, I was now in bed early, waking up at like five, six, seven o'clock in the morning and heading out to do a hike. And I started to realize how much better it was to be awake and experiencing sunrise and be with like-minded individuals who are prepared to get up that early on a weekend and be out in nature. And so that was another way that I started to build link pleasure to pain. Mm. And then I had a, a business conference that I was coming to in Los Angeles in November, which was going to take three weeks out of my training just before, which I was a little bit concerned about. But then I realized that it gave me the greatest uh, gift of simulating fatigue. So my flight back was Miami, London, London, Cape Town, which was about a total of 27 hours uh, traveling time. And I landed at 10 o'clock in the morning. And now this is end of November, so it's hot now. Now, the, the worst thing I could have done was actually go to the mountain at that time. I probably would have uh, had something seriously injured me. So I had to fight to stay awake. And at Hopper's three, drove to the mountain and climbed um, to simulate what it would feel like, hopefully, to be fatigued after 300 days or so. And then went to sleep, probably slept way better than I should have, but set my alarm, but set my alarm to wake up early the next morning to do it again. So it was, you know, and no one, no one would have cared. No one would have said, ah, oh, Andrew, you know, I mean, like you travel long distance, you don't have to worry about doing it. But but I knew that by doing that, lying in bed after day 156 or whatever, I would remember that I'd done it then and it would give me the impetus to be like, no, nah, you know, you, you could do it then, you could do it again. I remember the last week where I had eight days in a row uh, before I flew to uh, spend Christmas in a week with my family up in Johannesburg, which is the best to just get away from Cape Town and, and recharge with them and, and really get emotionally ready. Was uh, the Saturday? I remember the wind was howling, and I planted the Devil's Peak, which is one of the bigger mountains next to Table Mountain. And everybody pulled out that was joining me. So now, now I'm lying in bed. The wind. I know if the wind is howling in Sea Point, it's going to be ridiculous on Devil's Peak. And it was. I could almost do like a Superman leaning into the wind because it was so consistent and so strong. Um, it would have been embarrassing if the wind had stopped blowing at a specific time and I actually fell on my face. But thankfully, that didn't happen. You know, so those, those constant ways of pushing myself to, to it, what, what I felt were the little things that helped me get through actually ended up being some of the most powerful. Yeah, some of the big things. But, but and also, I, when I got to the halfway point on day 183, I'll never forget uh, really amazing athlete and he became a, a good friend was uh, Jamie Maria and I chatted with him and he came and spoke at my 100th event and he told me some great piece of advice he said use the first half as training for the second half which I thought was a great way to to frame it but now when I got to the halfway point I realized what had gone into that and but that was when I was fresh now I was fatigued and I was going to have to do that and I I distinctly remember thinking that if I was just doing this for personal gain, I don't think I would have finished that. But because I'd linked it to something greater than myself, which is where the Ubuntu comes into it and the benefit of where, not just for me, but for the other people, that is actually what was the jet fuel. And I mean, I remember uh, the best way to describe it this time last year was I felt like I was on my third lap of the day climbing Table Mountain. And after delivering the books and meeting the principal and seeing how incredibly grateful he is and, and what they do with so little made me do a 47 minutes and 47 seconds lap just on Plutter Clip Gorge up to the top of the mountain on my own because, and I said to him, I said when I left, I said, I'm, I'm so enthused and reignited with passion by seeing what human beings are actually doing in some of the worst conditions that 
I consider um, Ronald France to be one of my top three human beings that I've had the pleasure to meet that inspires me with what, what, not just what they've done for 67 minutes, but for he's now into like 36 years. You know, and I think that's, and you talked about the consistency and, and that's again what I was taught last year is, you know, if you, if you want to do something great, if you want to have an impact, you don't just do something once and then it goes away. You don't go to gym once and you have an amazing body. You have to be consistent in your actions. Yeah, that's the only way that um, we see these huge or typically big successes um, as they come. There's there's one thing that I saw while I was reading a little bit about your background and stuff and a little bit about the hike. I I saw that, and this is actually also a connection with one of our prior questions and answers, which you gave on the topic of um, your inner voice. Um, or being distracted by the voices from outside or the sound from outside, which is in those cases could be people. You had, you on, on your journey, you had a wealth coach and this wealth coach actually almost stopped you from being, <laughs> I think that is, that is huge because can you, there's so many people out there that this could happen to, and this could be a family member, this could be anyone. And there's a, there's a little quote that comes to mind actually listened to a podcast. I think it was about a year back. I can't remember who it was, but like he was a billionaire and he's, he's, he gave this one quote that just stuck with me. And he said, you do not get advice from proximity, but you get it from relativity, right? So you don't take it from the piece, people closest to you necessarily. You got to get someone relative to where you're going. So in this case, you were climbing a mountain, you had a cause and you had the wealth coach who came in just Expand a little bit on that because I think that could be useful for the listeners um, if they have people from outside who might be <laughs> distracting them yeah. from something big, you know? Well, it was, uh, it was disappointing on a number of levels because, I mean, I invested a lot of money with this uh, coach. It was also one of the reasons why I was in the States. And, and um, you know, what I realized from that experience when we went on a walk to, together and he said to me, you need to get the saving the world bullshit out of your head. Wow. Uh, it was, it was like a absolute, it would like I've been kicked in the nuts, kicked in the stomach. Um, and everything was just like my whole world had been turned upside down. It was, a, it, was a, it was a horrible, it was a horrible experience. And this was at the end of November, 2017, before I started in 2018. And what I really truly believe is that experience is one of the reasons why the, the climbs were so easy for me because it was the last real test of, do I really want to do this? It was my final way of my final opportunity to kind of bow out before I'd even stepped a foot on the mountain to say, you know what, actually I've thought about it and it's, yeah. it's not worthwhile. And I'm not going to be earning a ton of money from this. So I'm going to rather focus on this and blah, blah, blah. Um, but what I also came to realize is, you know, your, and your quote speaks to this hundred percent. You know, if you, if you have a hole in your shirt, are you going to take it to a plumber? You know, and essentially that's what he was uh, acting like to me. He, you yes. know, again, because he's successful and he's, uh, his focus is on creating wealth in each individual. And don't get me wrong, like there's absolutely nothing wrong with teaching people uh, strategies to become wealthy. Um, I just don't think that money is where wealth lies. I think uh, there's a whole number of factors you need to, to attack, but that's another story. 100%. So, you know, he, he was, again, looking at a piece of the puzzle from his perspective of, would he climb it? Um, would he climb Table Mountain every single day? No, like he doesn't see the point. He'd rather just host one fundraiser, raise a couple million dollars, and then that's done. But that's not his journey. You know, my journey was for me to be able to sit in front of people and to really speak from a place of understanding. And when I say understand, like being lost, not having a clear view of where I was going to go. And how I managed to get from there to now being, you know, the most inspired to act I've ever been in my life that, you know, I needed that experience of what I did last year. Reading it from a book and being a professor on that wouldn't have given me the, the authenticity to be able to speak with people. And, and, you know, 
he he gave me the opportunity to speak on stage in front of 2,000 people. And, you know, that was when I officially launched my idea two years ago. And I'm forever grateful for that. Mm-hmm. And there are so many things that I learned from. And even if you learn from somebody what not to do, yes, that's, that's very powerful. So, you know, he gave me a lot of, he gave, he taught me a lot of things of what I don't want to become when I'm in that position. Yeah, which, definitely. So it's a learning experience for you. Hundred percent. Definitely. I yes, time is actually running out for us, and I'd love to sit and chat for like another hour. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but there's just there's two questions that I want to get in before we actually end this interview, and one of them is your from what i could see your mantra for 2018 was one step at a time what is your mantra going to be for 2019 is it going to be the same one or do you have something different because you're at a different stage now or what what would that be well you know i i try and either come up with a an individual word which encapsulates what i want to either be feeling or be working towards Last year, it just so happened to be uh, one step at a time because that was the only way I was going to keep myself sane. You know, think about climbing a mountain every single uh, 365 times. It's overwhelming. Breaking it down to, I just have to do it today. Breaking that down into its left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot was yeah. really what helped me to, to get to a point where it started to flow and become a lot easier. So that that worked wonderful for me in 2018, but it's naturally progressed. And, and for this year, you know, with everything being turned pretty much upside down compared to where I was last year, for the good, for the better, you know, my my mantra has been trust in new beginnings. So, you know, it can it can shift automatically, but again, I prefer to try to be the driver of my life car rather than sitting as a passenger and you know, sometimes I became a passenger when I was in my corporate job. And so that's why um, there had to be a car accident for me to realize, hey, this is not the right way to go. Um, but I, I do try and be more intentional about, you know, how I feel and what I want to achieve rather than just sitting back and thinking, okay, well, you know, everything will will just happen. You need to um, you need to take steps to make that happen. And, and so this year, you know, it's... It's like a, it's a transition phase. So I've, you know, I, I don't take it lightly that I have the opportunity to be able to, to share. And I have been asked like this on this podcast, you know, it's a huge privilege and I'm very grateful for that experience and to be able to be invited to talks and to share, you know, it's planting seeds in other people's minds and it's up for the, up to them to, to be able to grow them. And, and so I'm on a new journey with where that goes and, my mission is to be able to impact as many people as I can. You know, I've learned from last year, you got to throw a number out there, which sounds so ridiculous. So yeah. one, 1 billion sounds like a good number. Um, and I'm very grateful that I have such a amazing and supportive girlfriend who also has a billion people to impact. So between the two of us, we're going to hit 2 billion. Oh, definitely. Like, I can't wait to see South Africa just rally around you and perhaps, you know, like you said, um, the rest of the world. So I'm super excited for that. I think we should hit the big, hairy, audacious goals, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I, 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 you know, I didn't do last year uh, to emigrate. And so one of the biggest things is, you know, I'm, I'm very fortunate that I found the love of my life in San Francisco. but what I have now is the opportunity to learn first world and be surrounded by incredible technology and ideas and people. And so what my plan is, is to actually learn from that and then come back and start to empower people to this, so that they can have the same opportunities in South Africa. And that's, and that's really what it's all about because, you know, <laughs> I use the word charity for the three companies that I worked with last year, but to be completely honest with you, I don't think they're charities. I just think they're organizations with a, a purpose focus and a profit focus. And there's a big difference between giving somebody a handout and a hand up. And that's, that's kind of, again, part of the challenge of what I'm doing to be able to bring everything back and to, I want to do the reverse of the brain drain. I want to, I don't know what that would be called. Let's, let's call it a brain flow back to South Africa. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll figure that out as we go. Um, we'll figure that out. 
Yeah, my my last my last question for you, just as 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 we head towards the end, is with this with this podcast. Obviously, I want to inspire people to change their perspectives. If you had to give, and you've probably had, you've you've given so many nuggets, but if you had to leave the people now with one piece of advice to just help them challenge their own thoughts, or their own beliefs, or their own perspectives on their life. Uh, something that they can use to just open up some possibility in their own life. What would that one piece be? I know it's a very general thing, but there must be something that you just feel you need to give at this point. Like there's a message that you want to carry across. You know, I have massively benefited from uh, deep introspection. And I really do believe that we have all the answers in us. We just sometimes don't have the right tools to to get them out. And that's where like going to Tony Robbins and uh, Dr. John Martini, and even other coaches that I've had, they just help you look at things from a different perspective. So while it's, I, I really do believe it's, it's massively important to, re- you know, take the time to think about what it is that you want, because sometimes we do it very quickly. It's like, oh, you know, I want to be successful. Okay, but what does success look like to you? And take the time to write that down and to see, okay, well, how, what is the next step that I could take to get there? You know, if you're standing at the bottom of Table Mountain and you have no view of what the path is, like you would be, this is impossible. In fact, from far away, Table Mountain looks like it's an insurmountable mountain to climb to any individual. But it takes you actually going to the mountain, which is a challenge to actually see, okay, it's not that bad. And there's a path here, which I can follow. And, you know, you can start today and you could be massively unfit and you can walk back down after 20 stairs and you can go, okay, I need to become fitter. And then what's the next step to do that? So by being introspective about what you really want, it starts to open you up to thinking, okay, well, what is the next step that I can take? Because that's, you know, that, Knowledge is not power. It's what you do with that knowledge. And, and it's actually, I, I hate talking about being inspired. I like to say being inspired to act. So if you, if you can just start by really take, take a morning on a Saturday when you really wouldn't want to be doing something except maybe watching TV or being out and about with friends, take the, the most inconvenient time of your life and sit for two or three hours and actually just go through what it is that you want and how you, and then, you know, you'll be amazed to see what ideas start to come of, of what you can do next to get there. That is awesome. That is, um, I think there are so many wisdom nuggets inside here. There's invaluable advice. And I hope that people are inspired to act after they get to hear some of the, you know, what we spoke about, but I would just like to take this time also just to, to honor you for your endeavors, um, honor you for your commitment, uh, for what you've done. I just want to honor you for your, your level of consciousness that you're bringing to this world, which I, I, this is from my opinion. Um, you're doing it in the form of compassion, appreciation, love, and you, I just hope that you keep inspiring people how you do and inspiring them to act at the end of the day. I, I'm sure that you will continue to do so. And I wish you all the best of luck going forward. I think we all are looking forward to see what's next from Andrew Patterson. Um, I think that, yeah, there's going to be many of us following you on your journey. Thank you. I really appreciate the kind words. And yeah, I've already had an inspired thought for another challenge here in San Francisco. It's completely different to what I did last year. Um, and yeah, again, the money that I raised will be coming back to South Africa. So it'll be one times, what's it now? 14, 15. So we're going to get people opening up their wallets for some dollars back to South Africa. But thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, it's been a, a really great privilege to sit and chat with you and share my journey with you this morning. I love what you're doing. I think we need more people like you to, to get involved and to share what's going right in the world and just show people that it's not all doom and gloom. Um, you also get what you focus on. So. Thank you very much for being a spotlight on, um, I look forward to actually watching uh, your other podcasts. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you once again for being on the show. And um, yeah, I guess we'll chat too. Awesome. Thanks, man. Awesome, guys. That's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Andrew is such a humble 
an inspiring guy, you know, and I hope you got a little bit out of this episode. Maybe you've got one or two tips that you can use in your own life. Maybe you were inspired to go and act and go and help out in your own community. I don't know how it inspired you, but if it did, please get in touch. And just thanks again for listening. I really hope that you got some value out of that. If, if it did inspire you or help you in any way, please just please go and share this with someone else. You never know what impact it might have on them. And then also, if you really loved it, you can go and leave a review over on iTunes. I I would love any sort of help, any sort of engagement from you guys. But yeah, that's about it. I'll see you in the next episode of Exploring Possibility. And remember, don't be afraid to explore and find the possibility. Cheers, guys. Cheers.